I'm Renee, and you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour for Tuesday, January 13th, 2015. On today's show, it's the new year, and it's time to look ahead to the roller coaster of media content coming our way over the next 12 months. We'll discuss films, books, television, and other pop culture events on our radar. Then, Serial, a podcast from the producers of This American Life, told one single story about a 1999 Baltimore murder over a series of 12 episodes. Serial dominated social media in 2014 and became the largest breakout podcast ever. And finally, we've waited for months, and it's arrived. Marvel's Agent Carter, featuring Peggy Carter as introduced in Captain America, the first Avenger, finally debuted in her own special miniseries. We'll look into how the first episode was, how it fits into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. With me today to talk about all of these things is my fangirl accomplice, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi, Renee. It's our first episode. It's really exciting. I'm great. Are you excited and nervous and excited? I am. Yeah, everything. All of the above. All of the, all of the yes. emotions at once. Yes. <laughs> all the feels. <laughs> so, yeah, this is really exciting. Everybody else is really excited, too. You've tweeted it out, and everybody I got... I did, yes. Everybody yeah. got really... Like, there were retweets, and people going, yay, and caps lock. Yeah, yeah no pressure. No, no pressure none at all. No, 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 no. They're reacting to you, I assume, because I don't think it, they didn't even know me. Like, have you guys heard of me talk? Of course they know you. Of course they know you. Everybody knows you now. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but everybody knows you. Everybody knows me now? Well, now they do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, I think, I, I feel like we should begin this podcast by, first of all, talking quickly, very, 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 very briefly about Ant-Man the trailer. Have you seen it? I have not seen Ant-Man the trailer because I'm not going to see Ant-Man. I'm boycotting know- Ant-Man. In every aspect of my life, I'm boycotting it. You know, I had the same, um, you know, feel about it. Um, I didn't even know Paul Rudd was going to be Ant-Man until I caved and watched the trailer. And maybe I need to have my fangirl card revoked, but I quite liked it. Now, what do I do, Renee? I liked the trailer for Ant-Man. It was funny. Well, this podcast is over. See you later. <laughs> Goodbye. That was brief. We can no longer be friends. I don't... I'm just not excited. Like, of all the fucking movies they could have made, they chose Ant-Man. It's I know. the most... The, the concept is just ridiculous. I don't care how good the trailer was. I'm not on board that train. Everybody else have fun without me. I know, I know, I'm I'm confused as well. A pop, pop. I was like, I was super confused when I watched the trailer and I saw Paul Rudd. I was like, how did nobody talk about it? How did you not know? I was so I disappointed know, I because I love Paul Rudd. I just Maybe. hate this I love movie Paul Rudd. idea. I think that's what it made, what made the the trailer for me because it's Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd. It's like he's on man. So now this movie is actually, you know, gonna happen for me. I'm sorry. Well, good luck. I hope I wish you the best out there in the canon of Ant Man. Well, well, uh, enjoy all your dead ladies. That's uh, all I gotta say about that. All your fridged women. Oh man, I know. Maybe, maybe it won't go that way. <laughs> maybe it won't go. Well, this is one pop culture thing that I'm just gonna miss. I'm really sorry for anybody that was dying for my thoughts on Ant Man, but that's not happening. But we have other things we can talk about, so let's get started. Welcome to 2015. Ahead of us are countless books, films, and television shows ready to vie for our attentions for the next 12 months. 
This week, since it's our first episode and the beginning of the year, we thought we'd talk about some of the things we're looking forward to while we're excited about them and how we feel overall about what's on offer as fans as 2015 looms over us chock full of choices. So, Anna, we have we have expansive lists and you should go first and lead us into our media okay. bonanza. I'll just say that I know what you're going to put in your list and I want to consume all of your lists as well as mine. So that's an intro to the intro, I guess. Anyway, yes. So first of all, I'm really looking forward to Kate Elliott's uh, The Black Balls, which is the start of a new trilogy. So very, very briefly, um, it's about uh, a disgraced soldier fighting to restore his honor, which already makes me think of Avatar The Last um, Airbender's Zuko. So that's definitely going to be read by me this year. What about you? Well, I am super excited about Kate Elliott's Court of Fives, which is really funny. After your first recommendation, I've been talking this book up to everyone because it sounds super great. It's Kate Elliott's first foray and for for it's her first adventure foray. Was is that how you pronounce that word foray into YA yeah. fiction? And I'm super thrilled about it. It sounds like it's going to be full of girls on epic adventures, which is straight into my preferred narrative alley. So, really, it sounds like we're going to be having kind of a Kate Elliott party this year. So, everyone should pre-order this book. Yes. Well, there's also, you know, it's not on our list, but I'm just already breaking the rules. There's also the very best of Kate Elliott. So, it's a collection of short stories that she's published. So, I'm I'm also looking forward to that one. So, yes, spoilers, everybody. We're all going to read everything Kate Elliott writes this year. Yes, every single book. Obviously, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of girls, um, you know, my next pick is Pitch Perfect 2, uh, which is, you know, the sequel to Pitch Perfect. And it comes out in May, uh, May 2nd, I think. And it's, you know, I'm really, I cannot wait to watch that movie because the first one was so amazing. And I cannot wait to see the Bellas again. I didn't expect that movie to be good. Like, I didn't go see it in theaters, and I rented it on Netflix, like, as a disc. It was mailed to me, because I'm a dinosaur. And I watched it, and I was like, this is the most perfect thing. How did I not know about the greatness that this was, this movie? So, yeah, I'm really excited for the sequel, too. So, my second item is the uh, a third book in the trilogy, which is useless to anybody who hasn't read the first two books. P.S. Everybody, you should read the first two books. Is... Um, a book called Labyrinth of Flame. Courtney Schaefer is doing a Kickstarter for this book. It, it's the last book in her Shattered Sigils trilogy. And we'll finally get to find out what happens to the characters. Uh, watching her slowly finish this book on Twitter has been an ongoing agony. Every time she posts about it, I'm sitting there chewing my nails and going, Oh God, who knows what she's doing to Kieran? Like, I need, I, I need, I need closure. Give me closure, Schaefer. I need closure. <laughs> so... I have a lot of emotions. I haven't read those books yet, but I loved your reviews of them, so it's so nice. You mean the reviews where I was an asshole and then eventually came to love the book? Yeah, that happened. (laughs) (laughs) My next pick is going to be comics. Um, Basically, I am a huge Avatar The Last Airbender fan. It's the best thing I have ever watched in any medium. So I'm actually doing a rewatch of the entire series right now for the third time. So so this year there will be um, a new uh, 
comic coming out called Smoke and Shadow, and it's about Zuko. I, I know it's the second time I mentioned Zuko in this first podcast. Get used to it. Um, uh, he's one of my favorite characters of all time. And it's coming out in September, and I cannot wait. I'm also looking forward to the possibility of a Legend of Korra comics. It hasn't been announced yet, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it will happen at some point. Okay, related to this, uh, Ira just watched uh, Legend of Korra and had like an emotional breakdown <laughs> over the perfection, I guess, of the last episode. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen none of this series except for the first episode. And so now I'm spoiled for the end of the series. Because the internet just exploded in glee and joy. It, it was pretty fabulous to watch. Everybody it was so excited. It was the best thing. So I don't even care about being spoiled. It's fine. Yeah. Like I'm like, that's totally worth being spoiled over. That Exactly, getting... because that would make more people watch the whole thing, I hope. No, I'm already being roped into it. I, yeah. She's already got me. She's like, I'll, I'll get it for you if you'll watch it. She's like, okay, wow, all right. Yeah, sure. So it's on my list for 2015. Just the series. So, so uh, if you do watch that, then we, we are recording a podcast about it. Just fair warning. Fair warning it's, to everybody. It's happening. Everybody it's can happening. listen to Anna scream for an hour. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh. All right. So my next thing, uh, in June, Nemesis Games by James S.A. Corey comes out. That's the fifth book in the Expanse Space Opera series. We're finally getting into the super weird developments, which are all filled with spoilers now. Suffice it to say, I'm ready for some of the characters I think will be in this one after the last book, they, and they weren't. Um, so, dear people behind James S.A. Corey, don't fuck it up! Don't fuck it up! I know the feeling, so that's that's my feel. Uh, that's what I want from The Dark Forest, which is my next pick. Uh, it's the second book uh, in the Three Body Problem um, series uh, by... 16 Liu, and I hope I'm saying this right, uh, has been translated into English uh, from Chinese uh, by Ken Liu. And it's the first one, The Three Body Problem, was one of my top 10 books of 2014. It made me so excited because it's such a geeky book and, uh, you know, aliens. And uh, I'm really looking forward to The Dark Forest, and I hope they don't fuck it up. I need to read that. But I'm worried because everybody is like, the first book, The Three Body Problem. I keep hearing people go, it's not really about character. Well, I don't read for plot or science. I yeah, read for character. No, not really about character. It's, it, it was my one major criticism about the book. The characters are not well-developed. They are not. And usually I read for character, and that's usually you know something that makes it or break a book for me. But in that case, everything else was so good and exciting that I was okay with it. To go back to The Expanse, which is the book series I just had a breakdown over, the TV show based on the series launches this year. Uh, on the scale of Stargate Universe, which was Drek, uh, to Battlestar Galactica, which was amazing, uh, the reboot specific, to be specific, uh, I'm really kind of hoping for like a Stargate Atlantis Farscape level of fun, and I'm trying not to get too excited because it could go so wrong, but it could also be so amazing. But I'm so... It's sci-fi. I just don't... I really have a lot of feelings about this channel and how idiotic they can be about great media. So I'm cautiously excited about the Expanse TV series. I'm sure everybody will be screeching about it when it comes out. 
I didn't even know there was going to be a TV series of that series. It's because I saw uh, James S. Corey. I just followed him around going, do you, are you releasing a new novella, a new short story, a new book, a TV series? Great. I just, it's not healthy. <laughs> I just want more. I've read everything but, they publish now. Well, I will definitely watch that as well. Um, and speaking of TV, that's my fifth pick, uh, which is going to be, it's not sci-fi or fantasy at all, but it's the final season of Mad Men, which is coming out on spring 2015. It's, I cannot wait to watch this because I hope in my heart of hearts that Don Draper will get the ends that he deserves. And that's not a good end in case it's not clear. It's not, uh, I don't know the show at all. <laughs> and that all the women in the series will be happy ever after. Because that that's the one thing that I hope. I hate all the men in that show, and I love all the women, and I just want to watch it. And I hope everything will go according to my internal headcanon. Good luck. Because... Good luck out there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know the show, but I know people complaining about the show, and it seems like everything no, always goes I, wrong. I, I think it's an amazing show. I think it's so well done, and uh, every single episode, I think it's very slow and it's very arty, and uh, it always makes me so angry because it portrays sexism so well, so well. And if you can say that at all, yeah. And I just hope that it will end well for the girls. Okay, well, next for me is uh, Inside Out by Pixar. So I liked Brave, but I also think that it was lacking something. Like, it was, like, not being about the inevitable struggle of being female and beholden to certain traditions. It's a princess narrative that was subverted by actually actually being a mother-daughter story, but the elements of the social trappings got, like, they got that the women are caught in were still there. When I saw the first preview for Inside Out, I was like, oh my god, they're making a, a movie about a little girl where she's got, like, multiple types of emotions and, like, they're personified. Like, it looked to take a, like, Inside Out looks like it's going to take a step back and present this girl as, like, a fully human person that's not just defined by the sexist rocks that she's trapped up under. So it look, and then plus it looks super cute, so I'm really excited for that movie. I'm a little bit wary of it, to be honest. Uh, I saw the trailer and I was like, this could go so bad. It could. It could be terrible. It could be so terrible. I mean, I thought that about Up. I'm like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) Is that a a house with balloons on it? Like, with Up, I did the same thing. But then Up was fantastic. So I don't, I try not to, like, I try not to get down on them. But, I mean, obviously, Pixar has had some stumbles in the past few years. So um, I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt over this because of how cute it looks. And then I'll judge them harshly if they need it. I am willing to do that as well. And speaking of movies and potential uh, for awesome and or terribleness, uh, it's my most anticipated movie of the year. It's probably Star Wars The Force Awakens. (laughs) That's my lightsaber sound, by the way. Um, uh, And I cannot wait for it. Uh, I loved the trailer. Uh, The the Millennium Falcon flying again. Yes, high fives. No? Okay. I've only watched the original Star Wars trilogy once, and it was 11 years ago, and I was sick, and I don't remember it. Okay, right. So you said that we we had to stop the podcast when I talked about Ant-Man. So this is the point when I put a stop to this foolishness right now. So 
you must watch the entire the six movies before the end of the year. Right? God, that sounds Can hard. we do that? Can we do that? Can we both watch the six movies? And cry <laughs> over and cry. Possibly, <laughs> yes. Only if we can happen. also watch the Ewok movies, which I love. And yeah, well, of course, I love the Ewoks. Who doesn't love the Ewoks? A lot of I people know, don't watch I the love, Ewoks I know, a lot. I, know. I pretend that's not the reality of the world. There are all those people are fired. Are... I don't know what they're I know. on. I love the Ewoks. Wicked yeah. is amazing. You, everybody who doesn't like the Ewok movies is just no. Go get out. Exactly. Yes. So no, okay. Yes, I'll watch this. I'll watch Star Wars this, again this year to be prepared to yeah. comfort you after this movie comes out when you're brimming with emotions. <laughs> That's fair. Yes, okay. Fantastic. We should do that. We should have a podcast about Star Wars. Uh, because I'm going to watch all six movies again in preparation. So, yeah. Well, speaking of movies, back to movies again. Um, so, The Heat was this buddy comedy starring Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. Um, and Teenage Me imprinted, on, imprinted like extremely hard on Sandra Bullock with like speed and miscongeniality and hope floats. So, I'm definitely a Sandy B fan until the grave. And so, The Heat, I loved it. I love that movie so much. So now, I'm thrilled that it's getting a sequel, because I'm 100% in favor of turning this into a franchise. Like, every other buddy cop film gets when it, star- when it starts like dudes, even when it is trash garbage. So, I'm totally signed up for this. I'm gonna be in the- I'm probably gonna go see this in the theater when it comes out. Yes. Yes, I second that motion. Yes. Uh, but back to books. Um, I'm really looking forward to the launch of Saga Press. Uh, which is uh, an imprint of Simon Schuster uh, for science fiction and fantasy. And um, at least, I, I won't read their entire um, list, but the two books that I'm most looking forward to are Persona by Genevieve Valentine and Grace of Kings by Ken Yu. I cannot wait for those books. The, the Girls at the Kingfisher Club uh, by Gen- Genevieve Valentine was one of my favorite books of last year, so I cannot wait to read Persona. She talked about that on a podcast. She talked about what that book was about on Coot Street. I don't know the episode number, but she was on. She was a guest on Coot Street, and she talked about that book. So if oh. you're interested in learning more about that book, you could go listen to the Coot Street podcast where she's interviewed. She is on. She it's like a, it's like an hour long. She's super charming. I was really excited that she was there. Like. Oh, cool. She's I become, really like, one like of my her. favorite authors. Yeah, me too. I love her. I'm going to take it back to movies again, because I have to cry <laughs> on you. Um, So, The Martian. That's a book, right? You know that book. Yep. It's really popular. Yep. Literally, the only reason I'm excited about this is because Sebastian Stan is in it, and it looks kind of entertaining, <laughs> I guess. Um, I read the first page of the book, and their narrator, narrator's voice made me want to strip naked, coat myself in gasoline, and dive into a volcano, so I don't know if I'm going to go back to the book. But the end game, really, is that Sebastian Sand is in this movie, and it's, like, the first smart role he's taken since he became Tumblr's boyfriend after the Winter Soldier. <laughs> so, needless to say, I'm going to end up seeing this movie, even though it's got, like, well, he's not I the main character. Say, I have to say, I don't see it. I'm sorry, Renee. It's okay. I don't, I don't see it. I don't. Yeah. Sorry. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm probably going to hate Star Wars. So um, we'll have to learn how to we'll have to learn how to cope. That's how it is, is it? That's how it is. Okay, fine. So we'll have to learn how to cope with each other's failings. We'll have okay. to learn how to cope. Okay, moving on. So um, I think this is probably the only middle grade choice 
on my list. But I'm really looking forward to, and it's also not science fiction or fantasy, uh, but it's Gone Crazy in Alabama by Rita Williams Garcia, which is coming out in April. It's the third book in a series following a family of um, three sisters. And it's it's just such an amazing series. It's it's a historical fiction, and it's um, in the seventies, and it's three African American girls, uh, very close relationship, very complicated relationship that they have with their mother, who was a Black Panther, who just took off. And it's and it's it's mind blowingly good, and I cannot wait. It's probably my uh, most anticipated um, middle grade read of the year. So my next book, my next selection, is uh, The House of Shattered Wings by Elliot de Baudard. I'm really so angry at the entire world for not yet discovering her. Uh, the Waiting Stars is great. On a Red Station Drifting is excellent. And now she's writing this book. And I'll just read the, this from her site. Um, it's a book called The House of Shattered Wings, a murder mystery set in ruined Paris under the rule of fallen angels. And I... I'm really excited about this development. She uh, she tweeted about it, and I was like, I like tweeted back to her, and I was like, I added like add this to be read so fast, like I broke my mouse. It was it was good. I'm really excited. I know I am too. I love her short fiction. Um, in the in the red station drifting is just amazing. Yeah, I agree with that. Next up for me is uh, Holly Black's. The Darkest Part of the Forest. Uh, it's out actually on January 13th, the same day that we released this podcast that you are listening to. So it's today, it's out today, people. And uh, I'm, I've already started reading it and it's brilliant. It's so dark and uh, I love her books anyway, but she has this beautiful writing and a way of capturing girls and in writing about girls' wishes and desires there is it's really good. Um I loved the coldest girl in Cold Town last year. Or was it no, it was two years ago already, it was two thousand and thirteen. Um so that's that's a great follow up. It's not a sequel or anything, it's, it's a standalone from what from as far as I can tell. But it's really good and it's about this boy who is like a prince and he has been sleeping um sleeping in a glass coffin in the middle of a forest and there is this girl and she's the knight that goes killing um fairy folk that are evil and she wakes him up. So it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of subverts um, usual fairy tales but is, I'm only at the beginning and I already love it so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you and your reviewers and your arcs and bragging so next for me is well I mean this is like a really a gimme The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison is there actually anyone who's a fan of her work not like digging under the couch cushions for loose change and picking fallen dimes and pennies off the sidewalk to be ready to throw all their money at this book when it comes out? Like, I have this book pre-ordered, and everybody should pre-order this book, too. It's, it does one of, like, quarter fives, fifth season. Pre-order! Go! You can do it! I'm really excited about this book. No, I love, I love all of her books. I love them all. And finally, then, for me... Surprise! I'm really excited and looking forward to the Hugo Awards. Um, interestingly, the talk about the Hugo Awards has already started this year. Um, 
you know, about eligibility posts and how useful or not they are. We're not going to go there because this podcast is about positivity. So <laughs> that's such a lie. <laughs> as we as we have to like, later have to cut out thirty minute rant about eligibility posts. I don't. I mean, I understand their perspective. I get where they're coming from. Whatever. I'm just gonna. They can do their thing over there and be upset and yeah, annoyed, exactly. and I'll just be over here like and celebrating things I love. I am just gonna plaster my name and tails all over the internet. Yes, basically. uh, and this is your world domination plan. Yes, of course, and possibly the universe. P.S. Everybody, uh, the book smugglers is eligible for best of me prosine. Just yes. you know, I mean, I just throw that out there. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. I'm not asking. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> so yes, the Hugo Awards—they are coming. Okay. Well, my last. Uh, anticipated item is not a surprise like I don't really need to explain why I'm excited about Age of Ultron I assume when the trailer which I'm not going to spoil here like somebody did to me on Twitter so mad at you it wasn't me it was it totally you <laughs> I know it was me so I'm sorry pe- there are people out there who are attempting the feat of strength <laughs> to try to go in unspoiled like they're, no way. There, some people can do it. I did it with the Winter Soldier. I had no fucking clue who the no. Winter Soldier was. I didn't know. No, no, I didn't know. How did you manage that? Because I avoided the spoilers. <laughs> oh, whoops! It was. <laughs> you can do it. You. It is possible to do it. And I did that. I avoided the spoilers while I was like blogging and reading everything and I was just like I would see a Winter Soldier spot I'd be like backspace I had like 18 tags on Tumblr blocked so I wouldn't see anything related to that movie wow I really admire that commitment I could never do it anyway Claire and I wrote about the trailer uh, on Lady Business and it was like I mean it was agony well, I don't I this movie. I don't know. Like, I hate Marvel, but I love Marvel. Like, I have a lot of complicated emotions about Marvel Studios. Well, okay, so that happened. That was a lot of feelings yes. and, and emotions about a lot of things that are great. We'll probably link to all some of these, or all of these, I guess we can, in our show notes. Do you have anything else to talk about that you want to torture no. people with or spoil people for? No. No. Okay, now that we've inundated everybody's list with things to read and watch and with utterly no remorse, let's move on. Launched in October 2014 as a spinoff to the ultra-popular This American Life podcast, Serial is a nonfiction podcast created and hosted by Sarah Koenig. Koenig devotes the podcast to an investigation of a 1999 Baltimore murder of 18-year-old Heyman Lee. Koenig says in episode one, For the last year, I've spent every working day trying to figure out where a high school kid was for an hour after school one day in 1999. Or, if you want to get technical about it, and apparently I do, where a high school kid was for 21 minutes after school one day in 1999. Although Adnan Syed has maintained his innocence, in February 2000, a jury convicted him of Heyman Lee's murder and sentenced him to life in prison. In the show, Koenig explores the case, its inconsistencies, the fragile nature of memory, the fallibility of the U.S. justice system, and how well we truly know the people around us. Let's listen to a clip. Here's the case I've been working on. Almost 15 years ago, on January 13, 1999, a girl named Hay Min Lee disappeared. She was a senior at Woodlawn High School in Baltimore County in Maryland. She was Korean. She was smart and beautiful and cheerful and a great athlete. She played field hockey and lacrosse. And she was responsible. Right after school, she was supposed to pick up her little cousin from kindergarten and drop her home. But she didn't show. 
That's when Haley's family knew something was up, when the cousin's school called. About a month later, on February 9th, Hay's body was found in a big park in Baltimore, really a rambling forest. A maintenance guy who said he'd stopped to take a leak on his way to work discovered her there. He'd noticed a bit of her black hair poking out of a shallow grave. The cause of death was manual strangulation, meaning someone did it with their hands. A couple weeks after that, so six weeks after she first went missing, Hay's ex-boyfriend, a guy named Adnan Sayed, was arrested for her murder. He's been in prison ever since. Okay, Anna, I gave you this recommendation after I mainlined this podcast, and you listened to it even faster than I did. So you go first and tell me what your thoughts were. Well, I don't know whether to thank you or curse you for that recommendation, to be honest. I have a lot of conflicted feelings about Serial. I listened to it like uh, an addict. I, I could not stop listening until I was done. Just um, rewinding a little bit, I hadn't even heard of it. Obviously, I don't think it's as big here in the UK as it is in America, apparently. So, uh, apart from a, a few tweets I saw in our timeline about it, um, I wasn't really paying attention until you um, told me about it. You're welcome. So, You're welcome. Uh, yes, like I said, I don't know whether to thank you or curse you. Yes, I devoured it. I loved it. I hated it. And I'm very conflicted about it. Um, I can explain why, but it will take some time. Because um, on one hand, it's really well done. I really admire the narrator. Uh, Sarah Connick did a fantastic job talking about the whole case in her podcast. I also think that the things that you listed about it, you know, the inconsistencies of the case, uh, the nature of memory, the U.S., the problems with the U.S. justice system, they come through uh, the podcast really well. It's really interesting. It's really engaging. I think that's part of what makes it so engaging. And obviously there is the whole case in itself that it's so gripping because you you don't know. At the end of the day, you s- we still don't know what happened. And it's it's really difficult to even make a decision on what side do you stand. On the other hand, I feel really revulsed by the whole idea of the podcast. I feel like it was done as entertainment and it was done as entertainment for people to listen to it as a serial, you know, as a serial, serial, I guess, people would be waiting for you for it every single week and um, downloading it as quickly as they could, as though it was just something that you do to entertain yourself, even though it's about the death of a girl and it's about the possibility of a guy being innocent even though he's spending life in prison for that crime. So those are my initial thoughts about it. What are yours? I don't think I have as much of a problem with the entertainment nature of the program because I remember when I was in, I don't remember if I was still in elementary school or if I had like moved up to junior high. But I remember when OJ, the OJ Simpson case was out and this was like, 
kind of before, like, not, like, not really before the internet. Before the internet got big. Like, for me, it was, like, really before the internet, like, took off. And people would do the same. Like, they weren't downloading the information. They were just following news sites. They were talking about the case. They were talking about the things that would go into, like, that were information that became available to the public. And that, like, every, like, really large case gets treated that way in our culture so i don't know if i don't have a problem with it because i've just seen that sort of behavior happen people it's like watching a wreck like you just want to rubberneck and see what happened when you're driving along the road and some it just might be that i'm have been poisoned by my culture to not think it's a big deal when people pay attention to certain cases and anyway you know that i'm looking at the the other cases that are floating around that we're paying attention to that we're following like the news stories that were the murders that we're following that happened you know in Missouri um, last year and then in New York and those grand jury cases that we were all following super closely so what makes so to me it's like what makes serial like more problematic than us saying on top of news about other murders where people are going free. I have a lot of trouble separating that because we're, because I mean, I know it's being like the story that we're listening to in serial is being produced. It's being researched and the information is being released. But to me, it's the same thing. Right. I don't have that experience. I don't have that grounds for comparison though. So maybe that's, that's where the difference comes from. I, I don't know. I just, I thought it was really important to me to think about the purpose of the podcast. Why was it created? Uh, why did she approach it the way that she did? And why were people downloaded and listening to it like it was entertainment? So I, 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 in as much as I kept listening to the podcast because I was so interested in it, I also kept thinking about everything surrounding it, everything that made it so popular and I felt that the approach that she took also made me uneasy because um, I would listen to the episodes and and at, at points she would make jokes and I felt that at some points as well the tone of the narrative um, was too light for what it was. So I also had problems there even though, again, I repeat, she's a fantabulous narrator, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, um, it does. I didn't have problems with the tone so much as much as I had problems with the fact that in a lot of episodes, I felt like what got lost was that we we forgot that the whole purpose was that a teenage girl got killed. And... The more I listen to it, I I discovered it really late. I think I started on episode seven or eight, um, and then had to wait for the rest. When I was listening to these episodes, I just kept feeling like this girl who was murdered was being erased from her own story. That was the problem I had with the tone. Thank you. That that is another point that I was going to make. Yes, I completely agree with it. It's just where was where was she? Where was hey I I don't know. She didn't appear as much. There was there was one episode I think where they read from her diary, 
which I also think is a little bit iffy. Um, well, those and, were submitted as court documents, so yeah, those are just in the public record now. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, but yes, I completely agree with that. There was very little, um, you know, thoughtful considerations about the murdered girl, in which, which is why I think part of it also makes me uneasy because of the entertainment value of a dead girl, of a dead girl's case, whatever. So I, I thought she was missing from her own story. Definitely. And another point that made me a little bit upset as well was a lot of people raised um, the uh, consideration that there might have been racism, um, you know, surrounding the approach to the investigation of the case. And I felt that um, Sarah Koenig just hand waved it and just, just, just completely disregarded it without taking it into consideration the thought that that could have been racism around the case. I thought that was very problematic. I know that we are not supposed to use problematic as a word, but it was very problematic. I still don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I followed Rabia Chowdhury's blog, um, the person who brought the case to Sarah Koenig's attention initially, who has been trying uh, for years to get a, a non's name cleared. And I mean, I followed her blog, and she would respond with to some of that some of the episodes with additional like context. So I mean, the racism. A lot of people called the racism out, and to me, actually, that her brushing aside the racism was much less troubling to me than how she framed the lawyer um, in the episode about Adnan's original lawyer. I listened to that episode and I was like, you're being really nice to this lawyer. I know, right? And then because... I read Rabia Chowdhury's post about it and I was, I was boggled. I could not believe that the podcast like punted so heavily and Full that, and like, and, and like, that's what like, I feel. And then I think about race and I'm like, okay, well this, this lawyer was, was, was she white? Is that why you punted on this so heavily? Like, was this why you gave her such huge benefit of the doubt? And, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. I have no idea. But the the problems with the race issue is that, like, for, for Sarah Koenig, she's always going to be looking at those issues from a place of non-experience. And maybe she just didn't know how to contextualize it. Absolutely. And I think also in that, in that point... Another thing that happened in that episode was that how she chose to um, use Adnan's own remarks about Christina Gutierrez um, as an as an indication that he uh, forgave her or never thought about um, the problems that she introduced to his case. Um, and then Rabia's post actually says that he doesn't feel like that at all. It was just him talking about something that happened at the beginning of the case and not how he feels about it now. That is another really problematic thing about the podcast because the way that she has chosen to frame certain things also makes a lot of difference. And then we don't know then what else has she not talked about, what else has she not included, how else, what else has she framed in a way that is not 
you know, true or conducive to a clear investigation. So I kept, I kept thinking about those things. And, uh, and I think even though in the end, spoiler alert, uh, there is no answer, I think that most of the narrative of the show is actually for Adnan's innocence. And it, it makes me a little bit worried of how far things will go now in order to release him from jail, even though I don't think that's... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just really conflicted about it. I think I I don't know. I don't I don't care to to say whether I believe he's innocent or not because I don't think that's really the issue here. Although it is obviously one huge issue, but I think the podcast itself has also a lot to answer for. And I don't know. And for example, so one of the things that I think about is just is. is is how is it going to impact on investigations from now on? Is it going to change things? Is it is it important to talk about this? Is it does it does it matter? Uh, on the on the other hand, what if this guy is really innocent and that helps get him released? Do the ends justify the means? I don't know because I still think that I just go back to the point that I don't think the podcast was about specifically whether he was innocent or guilty and i mean i mean you could make a statement you could decide whether or not you think that he whether he he committed this murder or not and a lot of people do like a lot of people were ready for her to come out and take a position on his innocence or not and she she sort of punted that too but even like you said the narrative though was the way it was framed automatically made like sort of led you to the watering hole of like wanting him to be wanting him to be innocent of this yes absolutely and but at the end of the day i actually admire her for not saying it in the end yeah i'm really glad she did that because I think the problem is that we all want easy answers to some of the really hard questions and like, like moral questions. We want, we want easy answers for these things that just don't have them. They're, it's all shades of gray in some cases. And so wanting this easy, innocent or guilty resolution to something also lends to your theory that a lot of people were treating this like entertainment and they forgot that there were real people who lived this and are now reliving this. Yes. And like her, her family, for example, they don't, they don't even appear in the podcast. I can only imagine how they might feel about it. Especially if, if, if they believe that Adam's actually guilty. And then there were a lot of comments after it finished about how, how we didn't get that easy answer. I felt when I read those comments that I was, a little confused because I was not listening to the podcast. I never expected to get an answer because for me, the podcast was always about showing the ways that the U S justice system is made up of human beings who fuck up. It's not infallible and there's no reason why we can't change it by questioning it. And I felt the people who wanted an easy answer aren't really interested in the fact that our social justice system is biased and broken 
and can r- ruin people's lives. Absolutely. That was one of the more interesting aspects of, of the podcast for me. Uh, obviously, I I don't know a lot about the U.S. justice system, and I, I, I feel like I learned not a very good side of it. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting that just before, I'm not even into real crime or anything like that, but I just before listening to Serial, I watched a documentary about um, the, the, the Memphis Three, also three uh, young boys who were uh, convicted of a murder, of, the murder of, of two young kids, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, and and I think and I feel that it's they are very similar cases um, in some ways in the way that um, the public reacted to the cases and how these young boys, really, really, really young people, were failed by the system as well. Yeah, and it's interesting because then I read Rabia's blog and she also talks about this that same documentary as being the thing that made her want to um, talk to Sarah Koenig about Adnan's case but yeah but but that the whole thing about uh, beyond a reasonable doubt was it was very markedly something huge and important in that case and I and I feel that it wasn't followed through no if i'm looking at looking at the things that i read and following the the documentation that kenning provided if i had been on that jury i just don't understand how anybody could have convicted that kid um i mean maybe i'm looking at it through hindsight but i mean obviously now we have better rules and we've noticed and we've noted that some types of evidence is no it's not valid like those cell phone tower records were just so sketchy so i mean i just really don't i mean i'm obviously hindsight like i said but if i was on a jury and this was the evidence they had presented i would i would have just i would just laugh it would have it looks like it looks like a joke case i just don't understand how the state got away with it and it just makes me feel like holy shit, this whole system needs to be taken out back and set on fire and rebuilt from the ground up. But another thing that really I was really interested um, about in Serial was the, the nature of memory, how to approach that, how, you know, how interviewing people so many years later think people have different things to say, they have different memories, they have created a whole story inside their head and even Adnan himself I found really fascinating the whole issue of how he doesn't or he say he doesn't have any recollection of that period of time he doesn't know what he was doing on that day which is such an important day but then again if he's innocent why would he have any recollection of that day memory is really hard I tried her exercise I tried to remember what I did Two weeks ago on Monday, I looked at the calendar and I didn't like I didn't use my I didn't use my email or Twitter. I didn't use any of my social media to like boost my memory. And I tried to sit down and write down what I did. And I got as far as got out of bed, brushed my teeth, had tea, and then then I like wrote fed cats. But then I had to write a question mark. I could not remember. 
Like, I couldn't. It was, I, I couldn't get any farther than that. I mean, I could have some ideas of what I might be doing because I don't work right now. But I couldn't imagine having to do that for... No. For mo- months, months have that have gone by. How do you remember? I, even on days where something big happened, like I just had a birthday, and I know we went out and did things, but I'm trying to remember where was I between the things that I did. Like where did where did we go? What streets did we take? How long did it take to get there? No, what did we talk just... about in the car? Even on the big days that we do a huge like a huge event, a, like a birthday, that's a big deal. And we went out, but I can't remember the things that happen in between the notable moments. No, it's it's impossible. I don't unless you have um, one of those photographic memories or um, how do you call them? The ones that people that can remember everything. Unless you are one of those people, then there is no way you can remember everything. I just I can I can I know that I can't, and I know also that with time. I make shit up. You lie to yourself. Well. You develop. You, 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 you develop a story. Yeah, it's right? like there was a short story like that, right? Last year by Ted Chiang. Um, I don't remember the title, but it was about like this really interesting device that recorded your whole life and a character who thought he remembered one thing a certain way, and then he found out through the recording of this device that it was a totally opposite thing. So we lie to ourselves, we, we, we embellish our own memories. And I know, I know I do that a lot. I do, like, if something negative happens to me, it becomes this huge black hole of suck that just gets bigger and bigger the farther away, farther away I get from it. It's really awkward. So I just, that's a, it's an amazing thing that the memories of these characters in, in this narrative that Sarah built, because she did build like and that's part of the entertainment thing you go back to right yeah um she built these personas these characters of these people that we don't know the fact that they're trying to recall these things is i was just like how are you how are you doing that like i found so refreshing people who were just like i have no fucking clue i was like you, you well, go yes. dude good job yes yes thank god because Thank God some of them did that because it, it became more believable to me because those that kept saying so this and this and this happened, there is no way. Unless, of course, because they went through all of that and they probably read transcripts and everything. And that that then, the, the memory, that reading of those facts becomes a memory, right? Because then it becomes embedded your memory after you read what you've done so if somebody tells you so this is what we've done then and then that becomes the story this is what happens when when you think about your childhood this is what happens when i think about my childhood right so i have what i think are memories of going out with my grandparents but it's actually my what my grandparents told me happened i cannot have those memories because i was too young Exactly. So, so that was really fascinating to me, and that was a positive of that podcast. That that thoughtful investigation of memory and how it fails you, or it could save you. And in that particular case, it just it just fail at none if he's innocent. If he is, I have no comment on whether or not no. that that man is innocent or not. 
All I know is that based on the evidence, I do not believe he should have been convicted. Yes. That's as far as I can get. I have like he maybe he did it, maybe he didn't, but I'll never know. But based on the evidence and the case the state built, I don't believe that he should have gotten that conviction. Yes, I I think I can say that as well. I think I'm comfortable enough to say that. Serial is available at serialpodcast.org, or you can subscribe to it via iTunes or your personal podcast app. Season one ended December 2014, and season two will be available sometime, I think, in 2015. We'd actually like to know what you think about it if you if you listen to it and if you have thoughts. So feel free to give it give it a listen. Good, you're welcome for you know a couple of, like days of your life, and then uh, just on social media with your thoughts. Next up, Agent Carter is a new TV series created by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely and stars Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, inspired by her roles in the films Captain America, The First Avenger, and Captain America, The Winter Soldier. The series is titled after the Marvel short film that debuted as a special feature on Iron Man 3 Media in 2013, which went on to be a massive hit across social media and with fans. The series features Peggy Carter doing secret agent work at the behest of Howard Stark while trying to balance work for the Strategic Scientific Reserve, her life as a woman in 1940s post-war America, and all the attendant struggles that brings with it. Anna, did you like this show? Yes, it was amazing. I loved it, and I want it to last forever, basically. Well, I have bad news. It's only going to last eight episodes. What? (laughs) It's only eight episodes long. We saw two of them. What? Yes, it's like they haven't ordered anymore. It's a limited time and then. Did you not know this? What? Yes. No. Yes. No, I refuse to accept this. I mean, it's obviously if it's really popular, they might renew it and give us another, you know, eight episodes. Like our our pittance for putting out with Marvel's gender shenanigans. What? Yeah. We saw episode one and two, and that's and there's only eight in total. No. Yeah. (laughs) So the first ten minutes of this segment is just going to be you going, "What is happening? Why did you give me this terrible (laughs) news?" I'm just gonna start crying right now. I thought I was going to get 23 episodes of Agent Carter being awesome uh, and fighting misogynists and and with spoons and forks and 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 then. Moving to that building with all the women, and all the women would become her friends, and they would all be awesome and save the world together. What? Back in reality, we only get eight episodes, unless wow. they decide to renew it. Wow. So, I did not know that. That's why, that's exactly why <laughs> I went and bought, like, a season pass to iTunes, and I was just like, I'm paying $24, $24 for this right now. <laughs> I want all of it before I even see most of it. Give me. Let me get this straight. So basically, they got a full season of Agents of the Shield, which was shit to start with. <laughs> and then a fantastic show like Agent Carter gets eight episodes. I hate the world. I really do. Yeah, Agents, um, Agents of Shield. Jesus Christ, that show. Agent Carter managed in one pilot episode, which was actually two episodes, to create the drama, tension, excitement, and emotion it took Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at least ten episodes to manage. I don't know if this was because with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we only knew Coulson and his team was brand new. And so it was easier for Agent Carter writers to establish the audience rapport with her because we know her so well. I don't know what happened there, but these two episodes were so fantastic and rich with characterization and like history 
his snappy dialogue. Yes. His dialogue was amazing. I was laughing my ass off. It was um it was funnier than anything ever on Agents of Shield. Even though they try to be funny a lot, they fail most of the time. Um and it was everything I was hoping for and more. I loved the dialogue, the characterizations, the secondary characters, the Daniel or Daniel, amazing guy. I hope they hook up very soon, even though I know she is Captain's American. Girl. Well, he's currently been, he's been fridged. Like, he, I know. he's done. He's exactly. So she's welcome to Daniel and possibly Mr. Jarvis, maybe. No, he's no? married. You want to. Is he, is he though? Yes, yes. We heard we heard his wife's voice, right? I know. But I felt there was something there, Renee, didn't you? Here, anyway, no, here's where I, <laughs> no, here's where I am with that. Like, they early on, they established that Jarvis is married. So now we have this little flip thing where the, you know, the stoic hero is trying to go it alone, but they have, like, a supportive person behind them going, no, you need yeah. emotional support and help, and you can't do this by yourself. But normally, that role that Jarvis plays in this show is done by a woman and Peggy's role is by a man so that they've subverted that and they've also made it like not by establishing that he has a wife they don't have to do this whole like well they won't they dance and I really like that no I agree I agree I was just joking maybe I mean maybe you were joking yes maybe I was joking yes no I completely agree with that and I loved how they made him the guy who cooks the guy who takes care of the house the guy who is worried about his wife and the guy who is obviously more emotional than Agent Carter. So that whole subverting of roles was really well done and really welcome as well. What else? What well, else did you about it? I love the clothes. Yes, the I clothes love- were amazing. Didn't didn't Gav write like a post about the costume design? Because we need to link that because it was fantastic. Yeah, no, I loved it. And I loved that she's not Obviously, she's gorgeous, but she's not traditionally skinny. You're saying she's not an Amer- like a, a Hollywood output, you no. know, stick. So she looks curvaceous, and that's beautiful. <laughs> and we don't get a lot of curvaceous women on television. It's hard. Yes, it's hard for on TV to get people who have diverse body types it's really difficult yeah. especially um, among women because we're like held to all these really ridiculous cultural standards so i really liked that they like they called attention to the fact that she was not super thin like that was like unhealthy no. like unhealthy because you can be thin and be healthy and that's fine of course yes but like the way that television does it it sort of makes it like it just makes you feel shitty if you don't look like that and they, the show did not no. fall into that trap it was amazing. And I loved her friend at the diner as well. And I loved their report. I loved their friendship. I loved their, how protective and supportive they were of each other. So that show also passed the bachelor test if you want to go that route. Uh, because they talked to each other without talking about men. And, and I loved that. And I loved how they showed uh, sexism and of the world she lives in. Which well, is... they kind of got a little on the nose about it. 
I kind of well, like. They, I mean, I understand what they did because obviously it's a comic. It's like a show like about. It's like a comic book show. So yeah. obviously you want that like that hammy sort of over the top feel. And you you got you kind of got that with the sexism in yeah. a lot of ways. And it just kind of uh, like I was really on board with like the Captain America show they did, which was super over I the top know. and great. I love that. Like on Tumblr, somebody pointed out they've written Captain America RPF into the show. It's beautiful yes. for me. Yeah, and I love the ju- uh, juxtaposition of how they did that. So they had the the whole playing the background playing as she was being awesome and kicking somebody's ass. And you know, in the show, she was like, "Oh my God, Captain America, save me!" And then she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna punch you in the face right now." Yeah. So Peggy's fighting style is really interesting. I'm used to Agents of Shield, where you have. Melinda May, who's, I mean, I don't really know how to talk about her fighting style as such, but it's it's very smooth and considered. It feels like everything, she's planning her moves in her head. Yeah. And I also feel like that about Natasha. Yes. And the other movies. But with Peggy, when I watch her fight, I'm like, holy shit, you are brutal. Yeah, she, it's it's a blunt instrumental force. Yes, she just, like, punches through. She's not subtle at all in her fighting no. style. It's amazing. Very physical. It's Where she stands up and goes, is that all you got? I was like, I've also wanted him to get back up. Because I'm like, really? The fight's already over? I was so disappointed. Like, I don't normally like fight scenes, right? I don't really, they don't really do much for me. But this show was amazing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you're following her Twitter account, but when she no. was filming the show... Whatever, I've been following every account about the show for, like, months. I'm a stalker. Uh, when she was doing the filming, she would post, like, oh, I'm sorry for kicking you in the balls, stuff, man. Oh, I'm sorry for kicking you in the leg. And, like, she oh, would... Wow. All these things where she's just, like, demolishing the stunt crew and her coworkers. And finally somebody made a graphic that was, like, it has been zero days since Haley Atwell had an accident. No, I mean, immediate girl crush, right? Immediate. Yeah, she's and her and her Twitter persona is really super charming. I totally recommend her Twitter account if you like following. Okay, celebrities. I will follow her definitely. Yes, no, I love the show, love everything about it. Um, there were just two things that I would like to have seen commented on. Um, you know, to be a little bit more serious about it, that's squeeful. One is the fact that you know the only person of color that appeared on screen got killed within seconds of his appearance so and the second thing was the whole interrogation uh, the torture I think that's a very timely uh, topic to be talking about and I would have liked to see her commenting against it in some way because you know she's a huge, huge hero she shouldn't stand up for that that yeah, it's complicated me... because, right, those are just, those are the people who don't respect her or respect her opinions. No. So, and it's really, hard, she... it's really hard to decide what, what does she, what does she comment on? What does she challenge? What does she stand up for in that environment? Yes, but I, I would have liked to see her say something about it, even though not, maybe not straightforward, not to their faces. Although there was this one follow-up scene where she's tidying up that guy to the chair and she's like, what happened to the interrogation with a cup of tea? Very subtle and kind of hand-wavy, though. I didn't like that. And I, I 
I wanted a little bit more of that. Maybe we will see more of that. Maybe we'll get better in that sense. But that is just like a tiny criticism that I have in otherwise amazing two episodes. I don't have uh, any criticism, I think. <laughs> I think I'm just like, a, like, there's just effusive love. I was, however, trying to puzzle out the timeline. In the one shot uh, that was on the Iron Man 3 disc, uh, we see Peggy working for the SSSR, treated like a secretary, like, disrespected, and she takes a job, completely owns it, comes back, uh, and then as she's getting yelled out, Howard Stark pulls her out, right? And yes. in the beginning, we see, like, a we see, like, a little clip and a little flashback where she's, like, beating some guy's ass. So, but that, with that flashback, since it was included in the flashback scenes with the first Avenger, I'm really curious as to when this one, this series is set. Is it set before the one shot? Is it set? It's no. like, is it a prequel? Because she was, wor- like, she's working for the SSR now, but in that one shot, she was also working for the, and she gets pulled. And plus, sure. on the plus side, Howard pulls her out, and the guy's, like, all deferential to to him. But right now, he's a bad guy. So we're, so, like, what is the timeline? Is that, are they, is it a prequel? Are they retconning the one-shot? No, I don't think they are retconning the one-shot. Well, this is how I read it, right? So I don't think they are retconning the one-shot. I think that Howard fell from grace. And after he, because he fell from grace, she fell from grace as well. Maybe. But there, there is because we know she was pulled at the end of one shot. She, she's basically given the agent, um, the shield to run, right? And that is not even remarked on in the series. So I don't know, baby. Yeah, I don't. know. I'm hoping that the future episodes will make it clear. Yeah, as to what where happens it's like there? Set because that was like the only part where I got confused. Yeah. Maybe somebody can clarify for me for the person who is bad at, you know, comic book continuity and apparently Marvel Cinematic Universe continuity as well. Yeah. Yeah, I finished the second episode and I immediately wanted the third. I can't believe I had to yeah, wait for I it. I know. I'm so know. bad at serialized television. I don't like it. I'm terrible at it. I get I anxious to... and I'm just like, oh god, what's gonna happen? This is why I don't usually read book series either. Cause I'm just like, I'm so stressed out. So I say to say, I think it's safe to say that we both highly endorse the show. Absolutely, absolutely freaking amazing. Uh, very excited about the next six episodes. I thought we were going to get like twenty or something. No, because it's, it's only out. yeah, it's only airing between it's like until March when Agents of Shield comes wow. back and all the like the entire internet starts sobbing, grows sobbing because it's like we're trading this this great exciting show for you know mediocre yeah mediocre hour i'm really sorry agents of shield i'm sure they try hard and have a lot to juggle but i'm just like guys no i just don't i just i care like five percent and that's not good no yeah same with me um i i really liked the ending of, of of the first season but i haven't felt compelled to watch season two yet which is not good and i would follow agent carter to the ends of the earth maybe look at this way maybe marvel will take pity on us and give us a second season that would really at this point given the reaction that i've seen to the first i haven't i haven't seen a single negative me neither like no that's a lie i did see it I, i did see a negative reaction from a dude who wrote like a 300 word post going well this is too connected to the mcu and it would be great if it was not an MCU property, and I'm just kind of like, who are you? I'm like, if you don't like the MCU, why are you writing a review for it? I know, yeah. So yeah, I've seen one negative review by a dude, 
and I'm just going to say right now that his opinion doesn't matter because everybody else loves it. Exactly. Agent Carter airs on ABC on Tuesdays and will run at least through March with the rest of their episodes. If you watch the first episode or two episodes, depending on how it downloaded on your device or your television, what did you think? You should let us know on social media so we can talk about it. Okay, it's time for recommendations. The portion of our show where we tell everyone about things they could try and potentially love and indoctrinate people into our favorite media. Anna, you're up first. What do you have this week? Right, so I know we talked about it briefly um, earlier in the episode, but I'm going to recommend Legend of Korra. At the end of... It finished its last season at the end of 2014 just before christmas and it ended with a bang it was amazing it was everything i was hoping for uh, i will admit that the first two seasons of legend of Korra were not very good had a lot of problems but seasons three and four totally made up for that it was they were both really well done they were incredibly well acted uh the stories were well developed the characters grew um and in the end of season four it became one of my favorite things that i ever watched um the most important thing to take away from legend of Korra is that, that it's a show about a queer woman of color and she's the most important and powerful woman in the universe of that story so i highly recommend that it was it aired on nickelodeon it's it is a kids show but it's not really only for kids obviously it's amazing it's a sequel to um avatar the last airbender which aired a few years back which is the best thing that i ever watched period uh, so highly recommended we will leave a few links and i will also link to uh, an article an essay written by the show creator uh, about what they did with cora and why in the end and i hope we will all give it a chance. I know it's hard. The first two seasons are not very good. Like I said, you need some patience. And I, I'm, I'm kind of like one of those people that don't like to ask people for patience because it's not really fair. But I would ask you to give this show a shot because it ends so well. Seasons three and four were so amazing. And that's my recommendation. I would say I'm convinced, but I'm already being stalked by Ira to <laughs> listen to you. I mean, I'm not. I said, I say that like I'm. This is like I don't want to do it, but I do. I do want to do it. I just need to. I just need to get. I just need to gird my loins and head in. It's fine. Two seasons of boredom, I can handle. It's fine. Yes. Okay. It's not boredom, but okay. So, how about you? What do you have to recommend? So, this week I have a vid, a fan vid. So I don't know. Like everybody is going to be like, "What the hell are you doing?" I'm sorry. This is who I am. So it's uh, Captain America to the Winter Soldier fan vid by Talitha78. It is called The Heart Wants What It Wants and the song is by Selena Gomez and I already feel everybody like recoiling from their headphones going what the hell. But no, it's really good. I really like Talitha's vids. I think she takes really popular songs and does really interesting narrative things with them um, with the with especially with the Marvelverse which is, which is mostly what I've watched by her. And this one is a slow song, which is really hard to vid to. And she does this really good job of, like, aligning these really, like, quick cuts with the slow tempo of the music. 
I have watched it like six times now. It's really good. It's definitely a shipper vid, so if you don't ship Steve and Bucky, you probably won't like it. But if you, you know, if you are have an open mind, you might. You could. It's possible. You're over there. I can already hear Anna <laughs> over on the other side going, God damn it, why did I get myself into <laughs> But you know what? I'm going to watch that video. I'm going to follow your recommendation, Renee. Yes. Because I am that kind of person. I am your friend. It's an excellent vid. I really, really highly recommend it. So that's it for me. So, Anna, thanks for talking with me this week. You're very welcome. Thank you for talking to me. Yes. You will be able to find links to some of the things we discussed today at fangirlhappyhour.com or on Tumblr at fangirlhappyhour.tumblr.com. You can also email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com and find our Twitter feed at fangirlpodcast. For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode.